Welcome to Faith, Fitness, and Self-Discovery, where I know just how grueling it's been trying to balance your physical, spiritual, and mental health. I'm your host, Precious Williams, and I invite you to my podcast where you can expect a total mind makeover. I'm talking about a shift in the way that you see, think, and do fitness forever. So come journey with me as we discover your fitness identity. Welcome to Faith, Fitness, and Self-Discovery. I'm your host, Precious Williams. You're clicking for the first time, and it's not by accident, but by divine purpose, because we're a group of women who believe that we can reach our optimal health by renewing our mind. On last week, if you had an opportunity to listen to the podcast, you know we talked about self-care and just how important that is for women. We truly struggle with taking care of ourselves, so I'm hoping that you found some time to take care of you and not just taking care of you as a reward because what I talked about was taking care of you as a part of your daily routine because I think we got into this habit of thinking that we have to deserve self-care and that self-care looks like going to get our nails done, our toes done, having a day to get a massage. That's maintenance. That's not self-care. And so I'm truly challenging the women to find some things that you love to do that make you feel good and carving out some time each day to do those things for yourself, no matter how small or how large those things are. One of the things that I share with you is I love to take bubble baths that has become like my me time because we're in the pandemic and I'm sharing the home with five children and also my husband. And then, of course, you know, my husband and I share our bedroom. So it's really hard for me to find space in this house. And I'm such a really big space person. I'm full of energy most of the time. And I'm such a giver emotionally. But I do need to recharge. And it's taking me a lot of time to get my family to understand that I'm wired that way. And when I just need to retreat, I have to retreat. And so the tub has become that place for me. Sometimes it's a 45-minute bath. And sometimes it's longer. It just kind of depends on how I'm feeling and what I'm going through that day. So I'm truly hoping that you have found something that you enjoy doing. And then we talked about getting the best bang for your buck. What is the thing that you enjoy doing? It's also something that counts as your exercise. It's also something that counts as getting your vitamin D. I see a lot of you are riding your bikes, you're skating, walking, doing outside activities, being mindful. And it's the best where you can get the three for one. So keep up the good work, ladies. Be sure to post in the group what you've done for yourself because I think it'll be encouraging for other ladies who haven't found a way to incorporate themselves into their day. But nonetheless, on today, we're going to talk about another aspect of caring for ourselves. And I wanted to take an opportunity to educate you guys on where we are And in wake of Black Lives Matter, on this particular podcast, what I'm going to be talking about is Black women and our health and the epidemic that we're in regarding our health. And what was most shocking to me and also very disheartening is that most of us don't even know how at risk we are. Most of us don't even know how 
many of our sisters have heart disease, how many of our sisters are at risk of being ill or taking medications, because it's something that we don't typically talk about as women. We find a way to talk about everything else, skincare regimens and purses that go on sale and TV shows and our children and our husbands and our jobs. But we don't find time to talk about our health. And I know this to be true because as I was looking over the stats, I found out something very interesting. And the thing that I found out that was most interesting is that one in every two black women in the U.S. has a heart disease. And also that 60% of black women are obese. And that's in comparison to 30% of white women. And so, of course, you know that it goes without saying that obesity also leads to other preventable diseases that are plaguing our community like none other. And so I wanted to explore why this has become such a challenge for us. What do we really look like as black women and what's the solution? Because I'm a strong believer in education. The more we know, the better we are and the more intentional we can be with taking strides to care for ourselves and improve our mental, emotional and physical health. As I thought about the statistics, I started to look over my own life and I came to the realization that I actually didn't have a fitness routine. We talked about in our first podcast, Fitness Identity. Fitness has always been a part of my life, but it's always been facilitated through extracurricular activities. And from the time I was in middle school, I remember always playing basketball, running track, cheerleading. Sometimes I would be doing two sports that, you know, happened within the same season. So I would be going from one sport to another. For instance, band was like an all year around thing. And so I would try to manage my band practices and my band performances with cheerleading and also with track and field. And then even in college, I was a collegiate cheerleader. And I totally took for granted how frequently I would practice and work out and just be active all the time, even if on campus we're walking to classes. And at some point, I lost that. And I remember feeling like I knew exercise should be a part of my life, but not really being able to figure out how to incorporate it regularly, and then not seeing the results that I once saw when I was in organized activities. So what I discovered is, just like me, Black women also experience the same situation. And in reading some articles, one of the stats that I came across was the major difference between the time black women actually stop exercising altogether versus our white counterparts. And what I learned is that around eighth grade, this is the time where our black girls 
really abandon exercise, most of them for the remainder of their lives. Um, because at this age, one of the barriers to working out becomes our hair. Uh, and as many of you see, I've cut my hair off. I've wanted to do it for so many years. And when I was in grad school, I actually wanted to do a study about how much time as a black woman we actually spend either thinking about our hair, grooming our hair in some way, or avoiding activities that are going to cause friction, frizz, or us to feel like we wasted our money getting our hair done. And unfortunately, one of those things that take the hit, probably more than anything else, would be exercise. That our fear of our hair frizzing up, our frustration with having to spend 30 minutes, 40 minutes after we work out doing our hair impedes us from working out. And it does it for so many years that it's like one day we wake up and we don't like what we see. And now we're frustrated because we have so much work to do. So hair is something that we have to worry about as black women. It's something that's been a barrier for us. It's something that has prohibited us from incorporating exercise as a regular part of our routine. The second thing that we have going on is that because we are black women, we often adopt our diet from a black woman. In most instances, our mother or caregiver. And the way she cooked is the way we cooked. And what we don't realize is that we're highly susceptible to salt and sodium. And so we kind of start off in this race behind and we keep up these eating habits. We cushion it and feel better about it because mama had it and big mama had it and big, big mama had it. But in reality, mama and big mama and big, big mama also ate the way that you do. Matter of fact, you're probably eating worse than mama and big mama and big, big mama. Because at least at those times, they did have gardens. And although they were seasoning food, it wasn't processed food. It wasn't as much processed food as we're eating these days. And so I think that we have to look at both sides of the coin and we get so comfortable with, oh, you know, it's genetic. Okay, but there's another side of the coin as well. Now that you know it's genetic, that means you have to work harder, right? Um, you don't just carry this on as a disability. You don't just succumb to it. You figure out if this is something that's genetic, if my salt intake is going to be an issue, if black women are obese four out of five black women, if one out of two black women have heart disease, what is it that I can do? How can I change? And the first step is, is education. And so that's what I wanted to talk about today because what bothered me the most in all of the education that I, I, I was trying to read up on and all of the different stats and all of the different facts is that only 30% of women know that we are really at risk. That's sad. That's very sad, guys. Only 30% know that we are at risk. And about 49% of African-American women over the age of 20 have some type of heart disease. I want you guys to hear these numbers because if we're going to change, then we have to be very intentional about it. 
And we can't change something that we don't know. We can't fix something that we don't know it's broken. And so I want these numbers to start resonating with you because four out of five, that's too many of us sisters. So that means that the conversations that we really need to be having, we aren't having. That means that the things that we should be saying to one another, we aren't saying to one another. That means the things that we should be eating and encouraging one another to eat, we aren't encouraging that. We're silent about it. And it's killing us. And it's time to make a change. So 60% of African-American women are obese. 49% of African-American women over the age of 20 have some type of heart disease. Whether that be clogged arteries in their heart, arms, or legs. Nobody's talking about this. I know I have no girlfriends who told me this. Whether they had stroke, high blood pressure, or chest pain. That means one in every two black women in the U.S. has heart disease. One in two black women have heart disease. We talk about everything else, but we're not talking about the 50,000 black women who are dying from cardiovascular diseases each year. Where are they? Where are they? They're, they're in our families. They're passing along from congestive heart failure. But this has become such an epidemic in our community that we just think this is the way to go. We think this is what you do. You live, you eat, you rock and you roll, and you wait for the Lord to come get you from cardiovascular disease. And the bigger issue that I have with this is we aren't even aware that it's happening. When we're seeing it at a prevalent rate, a lot of us aren't making the changes. And then as black women, because we don't know, we pass down these bad habits to our children because we're uncomfortable about our weight and the way that we've taken care of ourselves, this isn't even a conversation that we're having at home because most of us don't feel comfortable telling our child to go exercise when we won't exercise. Most of us don't feel comfortable feeding our children a healthier diet or changing food in the house or encouraging them to drink water because we won't do it. And because of the accountability that we're avoiding We keep perpetuating this for generation and generation and generation. We're not educating our children on the importance of nutrition. We're not educating our children on the importance of exercise. We're leaving it all up to recess. We're leaving it all up to extracurricular activities. And thank God for the African-American kids, the African-American girls who do choose to play sports for as long as they choose to play them. Because again, four out of five black women are obese. So my assumption is, with the exception of maybe a handful of black women, what's really holding down our stats would be maybe some of the younger women where this really hasn't hit them yet. But this has to be something that we're talking about. This has to be something that we discuss at the dinner table. This has to be something that we become aware of. Has to be something that we encourage our children to do. 
that we realize how important it is for us. And it has to be a total paradigm shift. This is so not normal, guys. If it was normal, black women wouldn't be affected the way that we're affected. We wouldn't be leading in heart diseases. We wouldn't be leading in obesity. We wouldn't have 50,000 women dying per year from cardiovascular diseases, from preventable diseases. And so this is serious. This is something that we should be talking about with each other. This is something that we should be talking about with our black daughters, our black nieces, our black mentees. This has to be a regular part of conversation like everything else we teach. How we teach each other, how we're hair products to use and and all of these other things, how to cook. We're quick to, to take our girls down into the kitchen and teach them how to fry chicken. And don't get me wrong, I love some chicken. But one of the other things that I think have saved me so much is I was so busy that I missed that opportunity to get in the kitchen and really learn how to cook with my grandmother. And I thank God I did. Um, because I think it saved me a lot from eating a lot of things and from cooking a lot of things. But finding healthier ways and alternatives to, to do that. Finding other ways to get in your exercise and knowing how important exercise is to your overall health. Knowing how important exercise is to your livelihood. Of African-American women ages 20 and older, 49% have heart disease. Only one in five African-American women believe she is personally at risk. That's the, only, that's the other problem that we have. We don't know. And because we don't know, we keep mindlessly going about making these decisions that are killing us silently. Nobody's saying anything because it's the normal. It's the norm. Being obese is the norm. Matter of fact, these days, someone will probably say something about your weight sooner if you are fit versus if you're obese. And I'm going to live in testament to that. And listen, I'm telling you guys, I'm not holding back. You bring up my weight, I'm going to bring up yours. You bring up what I eat, I'm going to bring up what you eat. And I guarantee you that you're not going to like it on the other side. And I had to get to this point because as I became more aware and conscious of what was happening in our community. And I wanted to take a change. I wanted to take a stand. I wanted to help. I realized that I first had to help myself. And I just thank God that my husband was on board, supportive. Uh, that's made it so much easier for me to actually change my diet, for me to change my family's diet. Because having him on board means I don't have no man in the house that I'm fighting against who still wants to eat crazy because um, I'm just going to call it what it is. But I know I've had women reach out to me and that this is your struggle. Your struggle is you want to preserve your life. And I'm going to just say it exactly how it needs to be said. You want to preserve your life. You want to manage your health. You want to live abundantly. And you have someone who resides with you who's upset about the lifestyle changes that you're making, who feels inconvenienced by the lifestyle changes that you're making, who feels slighted by the lifestyle changes that you're making. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Because I would much rather have a husband or have children or whomever comes to my house for whatever upset with me because I don't have 
sugar or Kool-Aid or all this other stuff in my home than to be burying this person at 60, than to be burying this person sooner than that, than for my 25-year-old child to tell me her cholesterol is high or have high blood pressure and, and start taking medication at such an early age. I would much rather that. And so it's about choices. It's about understanding. And it's about solutions. And so here's a few things that we can do for starters. First and foremost, lower the amount of salt and sodium you eat. We have a bad habit of like frying everything. We have a bad habit of thinking everything needs salt. But once we become mindful, we can make changes. My mother-in-law, who loves to drink coffee, shared with me that she didn't think she could drink her coffee any way other than the way she's always drank it for years. And one of the small changes that she's recently made was using raw honey. She doesn't miss it. The other change that she's made is drinking glasses of water in the morning. And she's noticed that she hasn't wanted the coffee. And I know my mother-in-law and she loves coffee. Like it's, she has to have it. So just hearing that, hearing that she's made a major change, that's not even a small change. That's a major change. It's stuff like that. It's stuff like that that we have to do is those types of choices that we have to make. Now that we know, it's no way that we can continue to turn a blind eye to this. There was a time that we didn't know. There was a time that we didn't have numbers. There was a time that we were in such a economic crisis as a people that we didn't have access. We didn't have food. And, and trust me, I get it. There's still disparities. Because that's that whole argument to, you know, black people don't have access to this, black people don't. But you know what? Black people have access to do and to get a lot, okay? And most black people have access to get to a grocery store if, if they need to get to a grocery store. Um, the same way we get to the Apple store. The same way we get to the Coach store. The same way we get to the Nike store. Um, and so... It's more so about holding each other accountable, educating one another, and breaking this vicious cycle. We have to break it. We just have to stop it. And it's conversations like this that's going to help us stop it. And so no matter where you are on the spectrum, whether you're a person who's always had exercise as a part of their lives at every juncture, or you're a person who realizes I've never really tried to incorporate exercise. I never really took a moment to think about my food and what it is that I'm putting in my body. Now it's an opportunity. And this shouldn't be a punishment. This should be exciting. Because when you know better, you, you do better. And I promise you the results of making the lifestyle changes, you're going to love them. You're actually going to love them. So I wanted to... Encourage you ladies, motivate you ladies to keep pressing forward, to keep making the changes to preserve your life. Let's work on being the best versions of ourselves. Let's work on 
helping our daughters create healthier habits and lifestyles. Let's make this a part of our household. Our kids shouldn't become adults and not see their parents have some sort of routine to care for themselves personally, emotionally, physically, mentally. Because if we're not showing them these things, what are we really teaching them? Like, how, are we, how do we really expect them to balance the things that matter? If our entire focus is education and grades and get a good job, that's only a small percentage of your life. And even with the education and the job and the money, you can't really enjoy it if, if your life isn't the way it needs to be. If you're not healthy mentally, if you're not healthy emotionally, if you're not healthy physically. And we have to get out of this space of because we missed the mark or because we're not comfortable talking about our weight, because we're not comfortable being accountable for the decisions that we've made, whether we realize we were making them or not. We cannot avoid this conversation. And as a matter of fact, a good conversation to have would be maybe opening up your health documents to your children, maybe opening up your health history to your children so that they know this before they're 25 years old in a doctor's office calling you to ask you, did anybody in the family die from a stroke or a heart attack or anybody in the family have diabetes? Because this is what we do. We'll sit in a doctor's office at 30 something years old and not know our family history. It's our family medical history. And so we have to do a better job of it. We have to become more comfortable talking about it. And we have to focus on the solutions to improve it. We have to drink water, guys. We have to eat nutrients. And we have to exercise. This is not optional. I know we think it is, but it's really not. But on a high note, we don't have to exercise in a way that looks like America has shown us. You don't have to go to the gym. It's a number of things that you can do. I told you no step is too small. Girl, park that car as far as possible from your office each and every day. And let your white friend, let your white female colleague get the park closest or whomever else that's at a little lower risk than we are. And you take, the, you take those steps to your office. Another thing that I do is I rarely use the elevator. Unless it's just OD, like I'm going to the 30th floor or something. I'm going to take the stairs. Because we have to understand that we got to work harder at this thing. That we have to be more mindful about it. Because it's going to take us generations to change this. And don't think because all of this other stuff is going on with the pandemic and, you know, us fighting for our civil, civil rights and equality and justice and, and all of that, that this ain't going on because it is. And what we're not discussing is why we are more at risk for COVID-19. We're more at risk because we have more pre-existing conditions. And we're not going to act like we don't know what pre-existing conditions are. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to make it comfortable and cushy. We're going to say it plain. We're at risk because we have more pre-existing conditions. Pre-existing conditions like diabetes, 
hypertension, high cholesterol. We have those things. And so when disease plagues us, we're more susceptible to it. And it's super unfortunate. But now we have the tools and now we have the information to make the change. And for those of you who have taken those strides, those of you who are making those changes, those of you who are finding healthier ways and alternatives to eat the things that you love, those of you who are incorporating exercise into your day in whatever way you're able to do it, just being more mindful, every step you take, every stride you take, every pound you lose is for the culture. Black women matter. Black women matter. And how can we matter to the world when we don't matter to ourselves? And we don't even know we're not mattering to ourselves. So I'm hoping that wherever you are, that this podcast speaks to your heart and that you begin to think, what is it that you can do for yourself? What is it that you can do for your community? What is it that you can do for future black women in your family? Because they're watching and they're listening and they're imitating. I know that because I have daughters. I have daughters who want to do things that they see me doing. They want to ask questions. They see the way I'm eating. I'm not forcing things upon them. They just see it. And so they'll always have choices. They'll always know another way. They'll always know what they should be doing. Even if they get away from that. And that's what parents are for. That's what we are for. That's what mentors are for. That's what women should be doing. The young teaching the old. The old teaching the young. It doesn't matter. We should be pulling each other along, holding one another accountable, not letting up on our homegirls, on our mothers, becoming the best versions of themselves. No, mama, you don't get a pass. You still got life to live and live it abundantly. We're not waiting for you to pass from cardiovascular disease. We're not feeding you that. We, have, we made this for you. And see, these are the types of things that we have to start doing in our families because we're way too comfortable. We are way too comfortable. Nobody's saying anything. We're pushing it, sweeping it under the rug, making it seem like it's okay. We'll tell them what medicines we take. No, it's time to make a shift. We have the education. We have the tools. We know what to do. It's just time to do it. Look, let me know what you guys think about this podcast. It's very necessary to, to hear these things. It's extremely necessary. If you haven't followed the group on Facebook, please follow us at Faith Fitness and Self Discovery. Also on Instagram, you can follow me at Faith Fit Self. Feel free to DM me, inbox me, what your thoughts are, what you're working on, post it in the group. Thank you, ladies, for uh, continuing the motivation and encouragement. I see the transformations. I'm very inspired. I see the changes that you're making. 
and these steps in the right direction and consistency, you're going to see the results. I love you guys. Be safe and have a great day.